your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you enjoy what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, and Odyssey. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. Most of all, though, we just really love and appreciate your support, especially during these times in which we could all use a little bit more time together. On tonight's podcast, I thought it would be a good time to check in on the Jets ahead of their game tomorrow against the Detroit Red Wings, which, you know, the Red Wings, not really a team I'm particularly concerned about, but with this roster and the changes that we're currently seeing with this team, there are quite a few intriguing storylines. Um, and unfortunately, you know, the circumstances for why we have what we've got with this team, it's it's not great, right? You'd rather everyone be fully healthy, everyone be back and, and ready to go, but that's obviously not the case. Dylan DeMello is out. Uh, Jansen Harkins does sound like he is coming back in and most likely on the fourth line, although it hasn't really been confirmed yet. Wheeler is also skating, but is, is uh, you know, scheduled to make a return at some point on this road trip. Not really clear when that's going to happen, but... You know, when he does come back, I kind of wonder what exactly Lowry does here. Um, in, in part because I think Dave, while his tactical stuff and some of his deployments don't always make sense, I feel like he's been a little bit more interesting in terms of some of his deployments, at least at first. You know, we're seeing Cole Perfetti given more prominent spots at times, which was a little bit surprising to me, not something I expected immediately. It's a little bit of a strange thing with Dave because sometimes he'll make line combos that look really good, but then just a couple of shifts in, he doesn't like what he sees and he immediately kind of scraps it to the blender and starts over again, which for me, I don't really feel like that's going to work out super well. You can't just keep throwing guys out there and hoping that at some point one of those combos work. You kind of have to be a little bit systematic in your approach and at least let them have some time to work together and get some more chemistry. With all of that said, per Scott Billick, here are the actual lines as they are today. We've got Stasny, Shifley, and Kopp on the first, Connor, Dubois, Perfetti on the second, Toninato, Lowry, and Svechnikov on the third, and Cease and Veselainen on the fourth, with Harkins more than likely to start on that fourth line with Cease and Vesa. All in all, this this whole lineup isn't all that bad. I, I think it's actually pretty okay. Uh, given the injuries and the health of the team at this point, it's not like it's ideal, but I think it'll do pretty okay against, you know, the Red Wings. The line that I'm definitely kind of keeping an eye on is Connor Dubois-Perfetti. I think Cole has already shown that at this level he belongs. I don't know how long his leash is or, um, you know, how long the Jets intend to keep him up unless they, they want to kind of just use this ELC year, see what he can do, see if he can be a big-time contributor. I actually think this would be the best season to do it because... You look at the coaching staff, you look at the relative inexperience at times, you know, you do have to kind of lean a little bit on some of the talent. And if you've got an ELC that provides really good value while it's still active and a Jets team that's still trying to figure out its identity under this new coach and stuff, 
I feel like this is a perfect time to breed some competition, get some guys going, get some guys motivated, and also introduce some of your really good young prospects. Perfetti feels like he could be a really long-term fit for this season. He does so many of the details well that it just feels like it's a matter of time before he scores or finds at least some kind of points on the board. I really feel like his vision and passing and stuff, they've been top-notch. He's been creating chances with some really good wraparounds. Just all the kind of stuff that you want to see from a young player who is finally starting to get some NHL minutes. And, you know, maybe this is the time that he carves out a real full-time role. As intriguing as the forwards are, though, the real interest uh, is actually going to be on the back end because there's been a lot that's changed. Because Stanley is out, because DeMello is out, we now have a very new-look team with Morrissey Chisholm as the first pairing. And yes, I did just say Chisholm. That's Declan Chisholm. Uh, the second pairing is Dylan Pionk. You know, that's a little more standard. But then you've got the third pairing of Sandberg and Schmidt. So this is a radical departure from what the Jets are used to. There is a lot of puck-moving ability here. And I, I honestly feel like this is probably one of the most intriguing blue line units we've seen in years. Um, is it going to be great? Probably not. I, I think we're going to see a lot of rust. We're going to see uh, a lot of unfamiliarity. Morrissey Chisholm, this pairing for me is going to be a bit strange. I, I think Morrissey thrives off of not having to be like the lead puck carrier on a unit, which in this case, I think you can defer to Declan a lot more, but the problem is, is he is a young rookie, this would be his NHL debut, and Morrissey may feel that uh, alongside some instructions from the coaching staff, you know, on his own personal volition, he may feel he has to have some of those duties as well. So it'll be interesting to see how this unit plays. I'm curious about that first pairing because Chisholm has a ton of upside. He's been raking it in with the moose. He's got a lot of high-end skill. There's very clearly some great edge work and vision on him. He's got natural offensive instincts. He's a very interesting prospect and one of the Jets D that really doesn't get talked about a lot, but maybe has one of the highest ceilings. I don't think it's quite on the level of Billy Heinola, but Chisholm might not be as far off as people think. So, you know, it'll be really interesting to see how they do together. Uh, Sandberg Schmidt, that one is also intriguing because Sandberg has had a bit of a rough start to his, his pro career in part just because of injuries and stuff over the past couple of seasons. It hasn't exactly gone nearly as as according to plan as I think he was hoping, but, you know, he seems like a hardworking kid. Uh, my hope is that his injuries and stuff haven't derailed his development to the point where, you know, he's, he's starting from square one. It sounds like he has at least gotten a little bit back up to speed with the moose, and I'm just very excited to see what he can do. I think he has a big physical presence with solid puck-moving ability, a strong shot, pretty good passing. There's a lot in his game that has strong fundamentals that, you know, the, the coaching staff could work and build around. And I think he might have more capability, especially defensively, in place of somebody like Stanley. So we'll see if he really impresses in, in his audition. Maybe he can make the most of Nate as his partner. We'll see. Overall, I think there's a lot to be intrigued by with this lineup against the Red Wings and probably a lineup that's going to be similar to what we have going forward for the next couple of games. But, you know, let's not read too much into it yet. Let's give the Jets a little bit of time to actually put it into practice and see what they can do. For now, we're going to pause there and uh, actually move on to a different topic. Earlier this year, I said I wanted to do an NHL 22 be a GM career takeover over the Minnesota Wild, and I finally kicked it off and have quite a new looking roster that I think you might be intrigued by. I'll talk about, you know, my methodology with this team, what I'm kind of hoping for with it, 
what we've moved out and why, and what I could see this team eventually doing. And then how much of it I think could actually translate to the to the real Minnesota Wild and, you know, potentially any sorts of actual trades that they do over the next few uh, next few months. I didn't actually get to trade for Eichel, though, spoiler alert. I know that I said, I, you know, I asked the, the crowd, should we trade for Eichel? But unfortunately, because of the constraints of the game, not really going to happen. I'll tell you who we did trade for in just a little bit. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. I uh, wanted to talk now about a really fun thing that I've wanted to to kind of kickstart off for the past couple of weeks. Just haven't had a lot of time and it's been a little bit busy, but now that the Jets have a bit of a break, I thought it'd be fun to do a BAGM mode where, you know, the crowd gets to make some decisions. I, I did, you know, fib a little bit, I'm sorry. I offered you the choice of trading for Eichel, but because of, you know, the price tag on Eichel and the fact that I accidentally used the, you know, the newest rosters where he's already a member of Vegas, I, I didn't really have any logistical means to make a deal for him, to be honest. You know, our, our cap situation with the Wild to start with wasn't great. And, you know, our assets and reserves and stuff, also not super ideal. Anything that I would have been able to give up, it would have been a situation where I have to give up, like, Kaprizov for Eichel, which in real life you would do, but in the game, probably not the best trade. Uh, but, you know, speaking of guys like Kaprizov and stuff, you know, what is this roster looking like? Uh, we'll start off with the forwards because I did do a lot of work in kind of gutting this roster and essentially starting over in certain areas. You look at this Minnesota Wild team in game and in real life, and a couple of things start to, to stand out. And I think the, the biggest thing with me um, that I struggled with, at least for the first few games, was that the Wild don't have, like, a lot of finishing talent. In real life, they do actually score a decent amount, but by NHL 22 terms, you know, not such a great roster. So after trading some parts out and, and moving some players around, we've uh, we've now got Kaprizov, Joel Eriksson-Eck, and Fiala on the first line, which, not really shocking, that's basically the top line in real life. Then on the second line, you've got Matt Zuccarello. And then we're actually bringing in another younger-ish center in Dylan Strom. Strom wasn't really all that expensive. I think he costs like a second and a third round pick or something like that, which for me, I don't really care about. Draft picks in this game for me are like a dime a dozen. Every time you just trade them away, no one really seems to care. But you can occasionally land some really good roster players for not that much. And considering you have to wait so long in-game for prospects to develop, this isn't really the worst way to go. Uh, on the right wing, we've also got Ryan Hartman, who, you know, in real life is pretty decent. In the game, he's just kind of there, I guess. He he can kind of score goals occasionally and be a physical forechecking presence, but other than that, I don't really care. Um, this is kind of where I was talking about some of that lack of finishing talent. I feel like their wings are a little bit on the older side and lacking significant scoring upside. Aside from, like, Fiala and Kaprizov, it's just not really great. On the third line... We've got Jordan Greenway and then Brandon Duhame on the right wing. But down the middle, thanks to a pretty big deal uh, that I'll explain in a little bit, we've also brought in Cole Sillinger. Sillinger in this game, I don't know what he's rated at because uh, the scouting stuff, you, you don't have full visibility into like a player's stats and potential until you've actually had your scouts examine them. So he's currently listed as like a bottom six player potential with like 72 overall rating, but I think he could potentially grow beyond that and be pretty darn good in this game. On the fourth line, we've got Marcus Foligno, Victor Rosk, and Nico Sturm. 
this is like a capable fourth line. I mean, it's not really amazing or anything to write home about. Every time I have the like assistant coach edit the lines and stuff, though, for some reason, Rosk always seems to get put on the fourth. And of all things, Cole Sillinger ended up on the first. I don't really know how that works because usually I would assume um, they look at the overall rating first. But there's like all of these new categories and stuff for line chemistry and play style fits that the game tries to build around. The funniest thing is I don't know how much of that actually impacts the AI stuff. I think a lot of it, you know, has like micro details and maybe some micromanagement in there. But, you know, on the macro level, I don't know how much you actually notice in game. As far as how the team feels, though, at least offensively, this forward unit is pretty fast. I haven't gotten a chance to give Strom a run yet just because I, I traded for him right before I, I ended my current session. Uh, but Dylan should be a pretty nice top six forward for this team. He's got that tall, uh, lankier build. Hopefully he can use it to kind of squeeze between defenders and help me rack up points because I've had trouble really finding goal scoring opportunities. You know, I've, I've been able to cheese a couple of angles from like wraparounds and stuff, but I'm looking for more consistent passes and better shooting. I think the finishing talent on this roster, it's severely lacking. We don't really have many guys with like sniping abilities and, and certainly high end finishing. So long term, I think that's something I'd like to bring in. Marco Rossi is definitely in the system and could be a really valuable player. Um, in real life, I think Ivan Ladnia would have been an option at some point if he was able to really develop into the top six prospect he was drafted to be. But as it is right now, this team, it's it's okay. The forward unit, I think, is is balanced and pretty decent. Defensively, we don't really give up all that many shots. I feel like we've done a good job as a, uh, as a four-line unit defending and, and giving the blue line support especially you know with some of the less mobile defenders on the team but uh, you know offensively we take a lot of shots off the counter just really hard to, to find good goal scoring opportunities and even you know goalies like Dave Riddick have been tracking my shots and stuff pretty well so I'm going to send some games as well and kind of see how the team handles I do suspect that it's going to be a lot harder for the squad to win in part because you know comparatively speaking it's not that great you know a, a lot of the teams in game are stronger and with how the sim penalties work and stuff i'm not expecting great things but you know maybe i'll be pleasantly surprised i just don't want to piss off the ownership team and get fired or the fans uh, because obviously we don't want to see a decline in ticket revenue but you know otherwise i will play a couple of games here and there just to have some fun and sim the rest and we'll kind of see how you know each of these guys really handles early on from the forwards kevin fiala he's been a beast i expect he'll be one of my top point getters this season and i am excited to keep playing with him because it seems like he's really good in game now as kind of mediocre at times as the forward unit is i kind of massacre the defense and you're gonna find out what i've done with it in just a little bit before we go any further though i thought you should hear a little bit about betonline.ag and why they should be your number one choice for all of your online betting needs during this holiday season BetOnline has you covered all season for more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Not into football? No problem, because BetOnline has you covered for all of the other sports action you could possibly want. It should be your number one destination for all your online betting needs. Head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, 
don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Whether you want to play some bets on a Baltimore Ravens game, or you're more interested in who might be your standout scorer from the next Winnipeg Jets outing, BetOnline should be the only place you place your online bets on that next hotly anticipated game. They're the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports action, so don't hesitate to sign up today for a free account, and be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON to receive that 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight's episode with some early stages of what I have done to the Minnesota Wilds roster in NHL 22, and uh, this is where the fun begins. We overhauled the forwards, but I didn't tell you what exactly we had to give up, and honestly, yeah, we have made quite a few acquisitions and quite a few departures because, you know, without the team felt in-game, it was just very big and slow, And, you know, there's not a lot of cap room for the Wild to work with, so I needed to make some space. And unfortunately, the defense is where a lot of the money was stored. Uh, Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodin, unfortunately, I had to send them to the glue factory. Uh, I made a deal with, I think it was Columbus, for Sillinger um, and and Merzlikens. And, you know, I sent Spurgeon in like a first or something. And I I did this because... um, I also picked up Adam Bockvist coming back, and Bockvist in game is actually pretty darn good. I was surprised at how good he was. I, I really wasn't expecting this dude who's like an 82-rated defender to be as smooth as he is, but he's also surprisingly physical. He has like this nice, you know, medium body build. He can block shots. He can, you know, shove guys off the puck. Just a, a pretty clean player overall, and considering that I was able to move out like $7.5 million in cap that was tied up for like five or six more years... Uh, you know, with a player who's like age 31 or something in game, I thought it made okay sense. Um, now, Bachvist is definitely a step back by a considerable margin. You know, make no mistake, Spurgeon in game, he's very fast, very good at transitioning. He's got passing and shooting, uh, but really good defensive acumen. So the the move definitely came at a cost. Now, Merzlikens I really targeted because he's got one year left. He's like $4 million in game on the cap hit, and... Honestly, he's better than Kakinen. I haven't liked Kakinen at all, even though in real life he's pretty decent. But Merzlikens, at least for the first couple of games for me, has been pretty darn brilliant. Um, compared to Kakinen, I feel like his tracking is better. He's got considerable size. He's just a better goaltender, and he's got a higher overall rating. He's faster. He he has good reflexes. Again, that tracking actually makes a difference in games. So uh, Kakinen, I feel like, was a, a pretty good choice. But Aside from, you know, Spurgeon going out, we've also moved out Brodeen. And in Brodeen's stead, I brought in a couple of players who are probably not, you know, great, great replacements. I picked up Noah Dobson and Jonas Siegenthaler. So this defense is looking a little rough. I, I swapped out Siegenthaler for uh, Goligoski just because Goligoski was expensive. He's like 36. And honestly, I don't really think he's all that great in game. Siegenthaler hasn't impressed me 100% either, but he is better than, I guess, the alternative, which is, you know, $5 million for a a third-pairing D. That's not particularly exciting. Um, But Dobson, I'm liking a lot. Noah has, like, a really good shot. He's very smooth in his skating and and in possession, which is good. His puck handling feels strong. He's just a very well-rounded two-way D in this game. And considering, you know, the, the players that I gave up, and the upside that both Dobson and Bachvist are likely to have in-game, it seems like a pretty okay move. 
uh, a lot of it was to, to free up long-term cap space in case I want to chase like a big free agent or something or make a deal for a player who's on an expiring contract, you know, because then you'll need a contract extension and the Wild did not have space before I freed up like $15 million. So overall, I'm pretty happy with this team. The defensive pairing, so yeah, cover your ears because they're bad. The top pairing is John Merrill with Matt Dumba. Second pairing is Kulikov with Dobson. And the third pairing is Siegenthaler with Bachvist. Merrill, for me, is the real weak link. He's not particularly mobile, and while he is strong and tall, he just doesn't really feel all that great in game. So I'm going to try and move him out, get an actual real left-handed D. I don't know who that's going to be yet, but we'll find out. Uh, and in net, of course, it's Merzlikens and Kakinen. Merzlikens has seemingly been a pretty good starter. I might extend him. You know, Wallstedt has a few more years before he starts to get to a rating where I can actually put him in net, and I don't want to rely on Kakinen. I had to dump Talbot because Talbot's also bad. So, you know, I feel like this team, we might be like 500 at least for the first year, but as time goes on and we even get Marco Rossi, I feel like there's some upside here. I'd be curious to know what you think of my my moves and stuff, and if you'd change anything with this wild team, let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. On tomorrow's show, we finally have a non-filler episode, if you can believe it. We've actually got real hockey to talk about, which, you know, praise be, it's it's finally back. We're getting Red Wings action, which, yeah, that's not exactly, you know, not exactly exciting, but it is hockey, so we're going to talk about it, and hopefully the Jets can give us a show and some good content. But, you know, for tonight's episode, that is going to do it. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day, every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Locked On Bets. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all your favorite platforms, so subscribe today. And as always, thanks for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.